We are concluding something. We have been talking for the last four weeks, and for, for those who are new, and this is your first Shabbat here, most importantly, welcome. We're extremely happy to have you. Uh, some of this won't necessarily make sense, but I hope that God will speak to you through it anyway. We've been taking an internal look at what the concept of the tribe, the tribe and, and this is the conclusion of the tribe, but the truth of the matter is there is no conclusion to the tribe because I will continue to reinforce the fact that we are a tribe and you'll hear me talk about that. And this way of thinking will define us going forward. Now, why do we have it? Why? What, what is the conclusion? Simplicity. Simplicity. It comes from a word, simple, which is simpler than simplicity to actually say. That was a joke. <laughs> Matthew 22. I'm going to read this as they're pulling up these PowerPoints. Think simplicity as I read this to you. Matthew 22, 36, 40. Teacher, rabbi, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend what? The world. Everything. The law and the prophets. Is that simple? From that, remember, you've derived, you, you will remember that we've derived and arrived, really, at our synagogue's, uh, our, our purpose, so to speak. The question is this, if we have this idea that it can be this simple, loving God and loving each other, that is too simple, right? I mean, that's so, like, it's vague. How, how do we do that? It, can't we come up with something more marketable, flashy? catchy, something that really will, people will read it and they'll be like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Well, not according to Yeshua, actually, because he just told us in the scriptures, these are the two most important things. So the question you ask is not, can we get more complicated or can we get more catchy? It's how well are we doing at those two things? And that is simple. But here's why this is so important, because if you look around, there is absolute and total mass confusion in the marketplace. And I use the term marketplace by design, because that's what religion has become. It has become that to some degree. Who can be the catchiest? Who can be the trendiest, the coolest? Who can have the, the best, you know... As I've said, haircut and tapered jeans and who can use the coolest language and who can have the best themed t-shirt while they teach. It's not who can offer the best experience of worship. It's not a blanket statement, but it's pretty prevalent. And I can say this with absolute confidence. You know why? Because I'm guilty of it too. It's what leaders are taught. Leaders are taught. You need to do bigger, better, more. You got to do more and you need to find a way to do more and more and more. Does it help to do more if we can't do the basics well? 
It doesn't really. And here's the thing. I am in no way suggesting that growth, that evangelism, that new disciples, that sharing the kingdom of God and coming into it by Messiah is not important. It is. It is a massive part of the mission. Growth is important. But whatever you use to attract people is what you need to use to keep people. A difficult scripture comes to my mind, Matthew 7, 21 and 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them what? I don't know you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That is never just like a real comforting scripture, scripture, but it should become a foundational scripture for us. Because what is it saying? Those are all glorious and great things to do. The things that those people said they did. They also happen to be pretty good ways that people tend to draw attention to themselves in this culture that we live in. But nevertheless, they're good things. They're exciting. They're dramatic. But they are moments. They are moments. And don't get me wrong. We need moments. We need spirit-filled moments. We need excitement. We need surprising moments, powerful moments, memorable moments. But they are moments. They are not foundational. In other words, sometimes it's really just not that complicated. Sometimes without a foundation, even the simple confounds the wise because we're looking so hard. The rest, the rest of the things that Yeshua said, I never even knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Because why? Because you didn't get the first two down. You workers of lawlessness, what hangs, what hangs on love God, love your neighbor? Everything hangs on that. So the summary is this, in conclusion, but not really conclusion. We have to get back to doing some simple things well. I read a study recently that was of over a thousand religious communities. It was about how to get back to doing a few things well. And the basics done really well really help. Did you know that? The basics done really well really help. Your walk with God, your understanding of community, your understanding of so many things. But, but you know, loving God and loving each other when that connects with your soul, when you know how to do that, when you, when you do do that, you are somebody new. You are somebody different. And this article, this research thing on a thousand plus churches was there are problems with how we're doing that. There are major problems with how we're trying to accomplish this simple goal that Yeshua gave us. And you'll, this you ready for this? It, it was a study about problems and communities. You know what the study was called? 
Core problems in communities. That's pretty creative, right? Number one, you focus more on Bible teaching than Bible engagement. These are people's response. These are a thousand churches and surveys of I don't even know how many hundreds of thousands of people within the church. You focus more on Bible teaching than Bible engagement. What is wrong with that? How could teaching the Bible ever matter? I can teach the Bible up here until Havdalah if you want me to. But if it does not connect with you in any way and you don't do anything with it, if you don't engage with the text on your own, you've forgotten what I said by the time you have your post-Shabbat pizza. You're more concerned about activity than growth. Self-explanatory. You're unwilling to admit that more is not better. That's a hard thing for leaders, given what I just told you about how we're conditioned. we got to figure out this program. We need to have this. We need to have this. We need to have this. I know, but no one's coming to this. We'll have this then. They'll come to that. They're not coming to that. We'll have this. More is not better. That doesn't mean we don't have this and that. You're focused more. This, this doesn't really apply to us, but the, the, the baseline does. You're focused more on small groups than serving. Now, what does that mean? We are a small group, okay? We have the opportunity for small groups, and everyone should be having small groups outside of the congregation. But the point is, that is like the biggest focus out there in the megachurch world and everywhere. Small groups, small groups, small groups. Let's, 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 let's do this. Let's all get to love each other. Do you know how you learn to love each other more than going to someone's house for tea and crumpets and Bible study? By serving with them. That connection of serving and helping somebody else with your brother and sister is much more valuable than small group fellowship. You have not clarified the congregation's role. I want to read. Because whether inadvertently or intentionally, these communities have communicated to people that no matter what they, where they are in their spiritual journey, the role of their congregation is to be their central source of spiritual expertise and experience. As a result, as people mature in their beliefs and embrace practices as part of their daily routine, their expectation is that it will still be their community, not their own initiative that will feed their spiritual hunger. Do you know how prevalent that is? Of course you do. People go to a congregation once a week. That's their only connection with the word of God. And if the congregation isn't doing that well enough, I'm not being fed, I'm going somewhere else. To do the same thing, to belly up to the buffet and add nothing, you can't. You can't do that if you want to grow. And well, not last, you're not challenging people to reflect on Scripture. It goes back to number one. It goes back to understanding and engaging with the Bible. And here, I like this one. You haven't raised the bar. Not you. This is to the congregational leaders. But it's talking to you. 
Too many communities are satisfied to have congregations filled with people who say they belong to their community, who attend faithfully and are willing to serve or make a donation now and then, but that belonging bar is not high enough. Simply belonging doesn't get the job done. What is the job? The job is to love God and love each other. Too simple. How well are we doing? How do I do that? Back to Paul Cave. Nice message. Got a nice ring to it. Yeah, Yeshua said that. How do we do it? Hang on, Paul. Here it is after four weeks of... Four weeks, this is the fourth week talking about loving God and tribes. How do we do it? You ready, Paul? Loving God, the internal strength of this tribe of Nahamuami will come from studying and knowing God's word. Oh, that's so, that's revolutionary. That changes everything. I'll never be the same. Now he's revealed the truth. Let me tell you what Judaism says about studying God's word. His instruction is the way that we know his very essence. His word gives us the knowledge of who we are worshiping. Now, here's the deal. Anybody can say that anywhere, but we have the unique calling, and I want you to remember those words for your tribe. We have the unique calling of Yeshua, the rabbi, the Jewish Messiah, the Messiah to Jew and Gentile, one in Messiah, the one who came to fulfill and teach Torah like no one else. And we have the Torah. We have an appreciation for the entire spectrum that we can bring to the world. The synagogue does not have Yeshua. They have Torah. The church doesn't necessarily have Torah, but they have a whole lot of Yeshua. You are smack dab in the middle of the place you need to be, uniquely positioned with a unique calling. And that's what we talked about in a couple messages ago. He called us disciples. Do you know what disciples are? Students. Do you know what students do? It's in the root. <laughs> Study. Our teacher, our master, our Messiah tells us, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. John 14. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, to help you understand, to remember, to walk them out. And when answering the most important the question about what is the most important thing we can do as believers. What does he quote? The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall do what? Teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. How do you do that if you don't know it? 
How do you do it if you get it once a week for 30 minutes? How do you do that if you have a great Bible teaching and zero Bible engagement? How do you do that? You don't. You don't. Loving God means, in a Jewish context, it may not mesh with what you've known up to this point in your life, but in a Jewish context, it means we consume ourselves with the study of God. Study, that's so sterile, man. I want the spirit in there. He will be. I promise you. I promise you. We are as a tribe about our father's business. Remember when Yeshua, I think it's Luke 8, said, I, where did you think I was going to be? Not with that disrespect. I know he didn't speak to his parents like that. Where did you think I was going to be? I, I'm about my father's business. What was he doing? Do you remember what he was doing? He may have been teaching these guys because they were wowed, but what were they doing? They were studying God. Do you think the Spirit went with Yeshua when he studied with his disciples? I do. I think he gave us the very same spirit that can go with us when we engage with the Bible and with the text. There's a classic commentary on the book of Deuteronomy called Sifra that says this. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God, but I don't know how one loves God. Paul? The Torah therefore tells us, these words that I command you shall be upon your heart. This refers to the study of Torah, because through it you recognize the one who spoke and caused the universe to come into existence. You want to know how to love God? Pursue him in his word. Husbands, wives, it's not a difficult analogy. Oh, baby, I, I, I love you so much. I know, but you treat me like crap. But, but I love you, like in my heart, you know, I love you, I love you. But you don't know anything about me, like you don't try to understand how to please me. You don't know my personalities. Who in their right mind gets married without knowing somebody? A lot of people do it, but they're not in their right mind. <laughs> you have to invest in your spouse, even if you want a friend. You can't be friends without knowing your friend. How do we know? How do we do it like that? What the mind might conceive. Why does it say heart? Why does it say heart? Isn't the heart desperately wicked and, and horrible? The heart in Jewish thought is the seat of action. Like your mind is just your mind. Things go in your mind, but they have to get here to be put into action. Love me with all your heart first. Heart first. Live it out. That comes from study. Rabbi Akiva in the Talmud in Kiddushin 40b says this, and quote it, remember it, mark it down. Study leads to practice. Do you want to walk it out? Do you want to make the Shema reality? Do you want to be... I spent a lot of time on that, I want you to know. Not that cover sheet, the other 26 pages behind it. Thank you, God. 
Study leads to practice. Remember that. Remember that. You remember those stats I gave you a couple of weeks ago? 71% of people want to know God better. They want to learn about God. 6% said they did the last time they went to church. 71% want it. 6% got it. Do you know the solution to that? It's so sterile, but I'm going to say it. Study. But not study like you're used to. Not study like what you think of as sterile. It means engaging with other people. Community is part of study. All of our prayers, of course there's individual prayer in Judaism. There's spontaneous prayer in Judaism. But there's corporate prayer. Because when we come together to pray, we are bound as a tribe when we come together to study, to seek and know the one who brought the world into existence, we are bound together as a tribe. Which is why a return to basics at Nachamu Ami is not really that much of a return at all. You know why? Because we've always had that. But now, as I've started this thing off, now we have it better than ever. Have what? Well, if our mission is loving God, knowing God equals studying God, and our, 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 our statement says the Torah teaches it, the Messiah lived it, you can experience. How am I supposed to experience it? Well, starting from the weekly email that goes out to you. How many read it this week? Don't raise your hand. The people in that email is a connection to the Torah portion, to a special Torah that's going on, to a commentary, to five-minute Torah that Darren writes. Five minutes. I read them in about a minute and a half, but I want to reflect on them for the other three and a half. And then they actually penetrate. Five minutes. It's in there. There's Torah treasures that we have at the synagogue. We have a weekly teaching. I'm kind of partial to that. How you sowed. Chronicles of the Messiah, the Didache Conference, Torah clubs that are going to be launching, that I'm going to be an integral part of bringing Torah study around the world. And we are going to be an integral part of that because we're going to do it here. So the point is, how do I engage? How do I study God? How... It's all around you. But the problem is, it's up to you. It's up to you. We have one of the best Jewish, probably the best Jewish library in Macon. I'm at the synagogue all week. Do you know how many times I've been here? Like, I get so tired of this. I'm studying. I get a knock on the door. Can I go? I want to go study in the library. Okay, they leave. 20 minutes later, I want to come and study in the library. Okay, gosh, come on. All day, people you know how many people have knocked on the door and said, I'd like to come and study in the library? That wasn't an Egyptian dance. Ephes. <laughs> Ephes. That means zero. But there is study going in on there. But anyway, anyway, it's all there for you. It's all there for you. What you choose to do is up to you. I'll leave it at that. But I want to make an apology related to that. Because there's one other thing that was reported 
and the core problems in communities. You focus on what people should do rather than what people should become. Every leader does that. Every leader does it to our to my detriment, to your detriment. It is not about giving you a laundry list of going down and serving at the homeless kitchen, being at Shabbat services every week. You need to do this. You need to do that. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Listen, you should be doing that, but because you want to, not because I stood up here and made you feel guilty about it. The same thing with the Didache conference. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but yet again, there I'm doing it. You should do this. I don't really care about what you do. I care about who you become. Who are you becoming? What is the purpose of this synagogue? Is not for you to just be complacent and satisfied and happy. It's to be, it's to be becoming. It's to be growing. You focus on what people should do rather than what people should become. As we become the tribe that God has called us to be, those things happen organically. But it's back to basics, my friend. Everything I have just told you up to now, more is not better necessarily. We do need growth. We need growth. We need new families. We need people who can come in here and be excited, become zealous for God for Messiah, for Torah. We need that. You know how that happens? Part two. Part two. That's loving God. I just gave it to you. Loving each other. I do love these people. We hang out all the time. Every, every week we get together in the library, go in there and study together. Loving each other. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Soul, mind. And the second one is the really hard one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and I'll tell you this, to quote Rabbi Akiva again, I'm telling you this needs to anchor on your soul. Study leads to practice. What practice? that I become the Bible scholar of the world, that I can quote scripture to everyone in every circumstance, and no, the practice of loving your neighbor. Number two, so simple, so basic, so dry, not according to Yeshua, and he is our barometer. The danger of this tribe thing, this whole message and everything, and I said it last week, is that it, it, it becomes internal. It becomes just about us. That's not the point. The point is that internally, when you're strong, you impact externally. That's the point. That's the point of the whole thing. Accomplishing this mission, loving God internally, is going to matter externally. A healthy tribe is a growing tribe. How do we grow? You want to know the simple secret? We need to learn to talk to people. I do talk to people. I'm very outgoing. I'm not, actually. Do you know that? You wouldn't know it because I'm very sarcastic. I like to joke around. And up here, I get in my little world and go. But usually, I'm pretty, 
I'm happy to be by myself, actually, in a certain kind of way. It's not the best way to be. It's not the best way to be. It's not a criticism if you're that way. I'm married to the introvert of introverts. But we need to start talking. We need to start talking. Why? Because I want to bring everybody into Nakamuami and get their tithes so we can build our 56,000 seat worship center? It's called a worship center, right? This is a sanctuary, actually. This is a place set apart for people to come and experience God. It's not a worship center, but that's a tangent. It's because I can't add value to people's lives if I don't know them. And do you know what it means to love someone? It means that you are on the constant quest to add value to their life. Here's a quote. I got this from Rabbi Sadilov's, uh, last his, his Torah, Devar Torah last week, the Reform Rabbi downtown. In a commencement speech, American author David Foster Wallace said, I don't know who he is. Hopefully he's not a bad dude since I just quoted him. But nevertheless, this is what he said. Everything in my own immediate experience supports my deep belief that I am the absolute center of the universe. The most real, most vivid, and important person in existence. And this is pretty much the story for most of us. This is our default setting. Think about it. Other people's thoughts and feelings have to be communicated to you somehow, but your, your own are so immediate. They're urgent. They're real. Meaning our minds can become like giant echo chambers filled with the sound of a solitary voice. Your voice, the one that matters most. Just the other week, I read an American Airlines billboard that read, The world does revolve around you. Loving each other is acting in a way where you are on the constant quest to add value to someone's life. What the heck does that mean? If I had my, prom my PowerPoint right now, you know it would flash up. A huge picture of the Chick-fil-A logo. We're not sure what it means to connect with someone so richly that life goes out of me and in to you. Think about that. It sounds a little weird, but listen to it. We're not sure what it means to connect with someone so richly that life goes out of one and into another. Life. Do you know the life you have in you? Yeshua put it there. God put it there. Yeshua only enhanced what God had done. He purified what God had done. And that's the life within you. And God has called you to share that life with other people. And how do you do it? You add value to someone's life. And that brings me to a story. In the book, you remember this woman? Hey, there, there we go. That's, that, was la that was the graphic for the thing I just read. Do you remember this lady? Next picture? No, I don't know where it is. Maybe it's back. It's back. You remember, you remember that lady? 
she's who's in Luke 8. Whatever I said was in Luke 8 before isn't in Luke 8. This lady's in Luke 8. Remember who she is? She has the name. The woman with the issue of blood, right? Like the woman, like the woman last week who was defined by the fact that she was caught in adultery. The woman caught in adultery. Man, women get a bad rap in this thing. The women with the issue of blood. Woman with the issue of blood. But I want to tell you this, thinking about what I just said. We're not, what it, we're not sure what it means to connect with someone so richly that life goes out of one and into the other. You remember this story, right? As Yeshua went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe the tzitzit of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Yeshua said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Yeshua said, someone touched me. For I perceive that what? Power has gone out of me. Oh, man. To be able to do that for someone. And you can. You can. I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw she was not hidden, she came, trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how he had been. She had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well go in peace he didn't say now you're going to heaven all your sins are forgiven don't worry about it. it's all good life's going to be great he said you're better because you knew me you're better go in peace and he didn't even know it like he didn't even know it it just happened because he's constantly giving of himself for others. That's his whole gig. That's why every single song, I, I was in the gym this week, I forced myself to do it. iTunes had picked out the up-and-coming hottest Christian tracks going right now. And I thought, I need some inspiration. I'm going to hear these things. Every single one of them was about, I was this, I was this, I, 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 I. I'm not kidding you. 25 songs, not one of them said, God is marvelous. God is wonderful. God is holy. God is separate. God is beyond. God is everything. God, know me. Only me. Loving each other means looking. It means looking for the opportunity. Do you know how many people's story is like her? They have gone so many times, so many places to try to find a connection. They have gone looking for healing. They've gone looking for friends. They've gone looking. And they've gone to places like this. 
But now they won't set foot in a place like this. And so where are they? They're out there. They're down on the ground just praying somebody walks by they can touch who will give them enough to care about them, to put value into their life. That's what it means to love someone. Husbands, we stink at it. Our wives are constantly and usually affirming us or supporting us because we're busy, we're out here working, we gotta be out here. I matter a lot. You do matter a lot, but your wife matters too. And you can start right there. Right there is a great place to look, to look, to discuss, to listen, to talk, to love, to know, to add value. When you go to Chick-fil-A, How's that for a segue? <laughs> Kelly, when I think of you, I think of a chicken sandwich. <laughs> Let me just say this. When I say you can, you can do that. Do you know how I know you can do that? Because Yeshua said you could do that. Yeshua said you could pray prayers of healing. Yeshua said you could connect, you could touch. You have within you the Holy Spirit. Why do you think he gave it to you? Do you think he gave it to you so that you could go out here and do some crazy crap that people say they're doing in the name of the Holy Spirit? He gave it to you to make a difference the way he did every single moment of his breathing life. How do we do it? Chicken sandwich, back to this, kingdom of God and the chicken sandwich. When you go to Chick-fil-A, I walk in, they treat me nice, they say my pleasure, the food is consistently good, the restaurant is clean, everything works. I listened, I'll tell you again about that marketing CEO. He said, when someone walks into Chick-fil-A, we are doing what I'm talking about right here. We are, in all of our planning, all of our corporate structure and strategies, we are not trying to figure out how to get more of your money. We're trying to figure out how we can make your experience valuable because then we'll get more of your money. <laughs> and they get more of your money because it's $40 for me to eat at Chick-fil-A with my family and there's like, well, it's Zach. That explains part of it. But I was really glad when he got married, so I had to stop, didn't have to feed him anymore as much. <laughs> Do you know that in our world, that's what people want? And you can give it to them. Not a chicken sandwich. Value. And not value, like I got a good value on this chicken sandwich. I'm talking about loving into someone, giving them a part of you that they can connect with that will, 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 will impact their lives like that lady was impacted. Do people walk away from their conversations with you as happy as they do when they leave Chick-fil-A? Do they, do they walk away saying, wow, they, they, he or she treated me well. I'd like to talk to them again. I feel better having engaged with that person. My life was 
impacted positively by communicating with that person? Or do we have the American Airlines attitude? The world actually does revolve around you. Here's one little trick. It's, it's, it's just so simple. Try to not say I in a conversation with somebody. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that in any kind of psychology, whatever book, anything you've ever read. But just, and, and so maybe you, maybe you do say I. But walk away from the conversation thinking to yourself, how many times did I say I? Do you know why we talk about ourselves all the time? Because we don't know what else to say. Do you know why? Because we have a real difficult time connecting with people. Because we really don't exactly understand what it means to take what is good within us and impart it into someone else. That very rarely is going to contain the word I in the sentence. And we, as a community of believers, need to be willing to face the ugliness that's in the world. I talked about the, the lesbian waitress and, and a couple of weeks ago and coming into the synagogue and being willing to, not, our, not into the synagogue, but into the church. And if you weren't there, I'm sorry you missed it. It was a great message. Here's the deal. You have to be willing to face the ugliness. And I don't know that we are. I don't know that we are. This, this community, I think, is better at it than many. You know why? Because somehow or another, you are a bunch of people who have learned to recognize your ugliness, and that's beautiful. Sounds weird, doesn't it? People who can connect, people who can love, people who can add value, recognize that. And they don't care so much about what someone is or does, but they see the potential of who they can become. And there are stories in these chairs right now that I can, won't tell you but could tell you of people who are having to deal with someone who is not where they need to be. And, and they're, they're, just, they're just connected to them to help them become what they could be. That's what value is. Take Chick-fil-A out of it now. I'm talking about God. I'm talking about adding value to a life. It is a mind-heart connection. Here's what you need. Connecting on your mind, it's easy for, you to, for me to say, Ralph, what do you do? I'm an ER physician. Oh, gosh, I went to the ER three weeks ago. I got this bump in my arm. Which hospital do you work at? Oh, that one. Oh, gosh. I remember one time I was there, and I... How about you don't worry about yourself? And how about you let this be the means of communication between people? That's so cliche, Damien. That's so stupid. Like, that sounds like something from a three-part how to be a good guy. No, I, I don't mean it that way. I don't mean it cliche. I mean really, really, really learn. Learn how to connect with people, how to not talk about yourself. It's not bad to, it's, not, it's okay to talk about yourself. That's what you do in relationships. God only knows how much my wife listens to me talk about myself. But anyway, I've belabored that point, and, and I, I just want you to get it, though. 
See, the mind and heart connection. We learn with the mind and then it moves to the heart. And the heart takes you to action. The tribe, the calling of the community is to lure people off the island. The island where they live, like the woman with the issue of blood, or the woman caught in adultery, or your next door neighbor, or the person who sits at the cubicle next to you at work, or the person you meet in the grocery store, or the locker room, or whatever. Whatever. Wherever they are, talk to them, find them, look for them, and add value, and let part of you go to them. We started this whole thing four weeks ago in Parsha Truma, Exodus 25, and Moses said to the people, all those who are willing. But what did it mean to be willing? He said, if you have a heart, if you have a heart to bring stuff into the tabernacle, tell, I mean, into the construction of the tab tabernacle, tell the Israelite people, bring me gifts. You shall accept gifts from me from every person whose heart so moves him. And then we met the golden calf and we talked about the golden calf last week and the disconnection. Those disconnections are what people are feeling. You are the conduit. You are the connection. How do we grow? We love God and we love each other. And if we can't do it in here, then forget about it. We can do it in here. It's easy to do it in here. Out there. And so we met this golden calf and there was all this disconnection. And then all of a sudden, here we are back in this week's portion, Vayichel, where he says, Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. And they came. Everybody whose heart stirred him. It wasn't their mind it wasn't their mind because your mind doesn't work like that. Your mind doesn't say, hey, you have this money. It's yours. You should give it to them. They'll like it. Hey, see this person who's messed up right here? You should keep your distance from them because they'll probably hurt you. That's the way your mind works. Your mind should say, you see this person right here? They could really use what you could give them. So the Parsha says that. It says everybody whose heart stirred him, they came. Everybody's spirit moved him. And they brought, and all the men and women, the people of Israel whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, they brought it. The work of the Lord was being actively done by who? By God? No, by the people. The people that were loving God. And the best part is, this is my favorite part, this is always the, the great tithing message right here, but it has nothing to do with tithing for me right here. This says, they kept on bringing it. They kept on bringing it until they said to Moses, tell them to stop. Because how does it end in Exodus 36? It says, not only did they bring what they needed, they brought that and more. There was more than enough. Are we bringing just what we need? Are we even bringing what we need? But are we at least bringing what we need? And can we bring more? You can't tell me to do things, Damien. You just told me that's not a good thing to do, that that's a mistake. You told me to do this. You told me to do that. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm telling you you're missing out if you're not. Adding value. The mark of the tribe, my friends. Israel had banners, remember? Banners, flags for the tribes. They have mezuzot. 
they have all these different symbols, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end us up right here. Let me say this as it comes to my mind, though. That thing about more, they brought everything, and there was everything they, everything they needed to build the habitation of God and more. Do you remember when Yeshua says, you'll do greater things than these? I would give anything, anything, to be able to do at least what he did for the woman with the issue of blood. And he said we could do more, greater things. Loving God, loving each other. So there are all these symbols, right? Banners, mezuzot, kipot, talit, tzitzit, all these things. <clears throat> but one in particular stands out. It's from Numbers 15:37. Who can tell me what it is? The mark of Israel, not circumcision. That one we don't. That one we don't. Uh. Tzitzit. Tzitzit. 15:37. Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corner of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel, a thread of blue, and it shall be a tassel for you what? To look at and to remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them, not to follow after your own heart. You have a new heart. You understand that? Not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. That's the word. It's not pretty. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. What are the two commandments that we must do and do well? What is the return to basics? If you don't have it after four weeks and an hour of me talking, you are not going to get it. Loving God and loving each other. So they had this symbol. You remember what would Jesus do? Remember WWJD? Bumper sticker, Bible cover, hat, T-shirt, underwear. I mean, <laughs> everything, everything, right? What would Jesus do? Where is what would Jesus do now? Gone. Because it was marketing. It was a great message, but it was marketing. Where are tzitzit? They're not highly marketed, but they're still around. They're still around. Your own heart is your old heart, but you have a new one. And so I did something. I did something for our tribe. I did something that's for everyone. And you may say to yourself, I'm not doing that. It's okay. I'm not going to tell you what you have to do. But you see that right there? I got to walk away for a second. You see what that is? It's a thread of blue. It's a thread of blue. It's not flashy. It's not going to sell well. It's not marketing. It's for you to remember who you belong to, 
and what your calling is. And don't worry about it. I came prepared. <laughs> Take one down, pass it around, and red or blue in the synagogue. <laughs> because not everyone wears tzitzit, and not everyone wants to wear tzitzit, and not everyone can wear tzitzit, and it's not about tzitzit. It's about the fact that when I use my hands that God gave me to do whatever it is that I'm going to do with them, I'm reminded of the Nachamu Ami where I serve. I'm reminded of the God that I serve. I'm reminded of my new heart. I'm reminded that our mission, our tribe's mission, is very simple because it came from the top. Loving God and loving each other. When you want to pick up that remote or that cell phone and play that stupid game that you're totally addicted to, I'm forced to be reminded of who I am and where I belong. When I want to pass the credit card to the waitress who was rude to me, and didn't give me the service I want, and I'm not tip. I'm reminded that I just may be the one who's going to pour value into her life today that may change it forever. And I am reminded that I have a calling, and you have a calling. Here's the deal. If I want to drive to Florida... I don't get on the DOT website and figure out where all the bridge and road closings are in New Hampshire. You set the destination, and then you go. You don't get bound up by all the peripherals and all this and all that and all that. Nobody goes on a trip without knowing where you're going. And where we are going is this simple. Loving God and loving each other. And I made a blue thread because, you know what, sometimes I just stink at it. And when we do it better and do it as a family, and everything happens organically, we have a purpose, and it is being revealed more and more. We are more than a congregation. We are more than a community. We are a tribe with a purpose and a calling that I think we are called and obligated to walk in. So I challenge you. I challenge you to listen to what I said and see what's from Hashem for you and what power Yeshua is going to give you, has already given you to walk it out in your life. So welcome to the tribe. Shabbat Shalom.